Hi everyone, Brandon here with a quick word before the podcast. Glass Tire is a nonprofit publication that exists thanks to the support of readers and listeners like you. We know times are tough right now, but if you're able, we could really use your help. By visiting glasstire.com donate, you can make a one-time gift or become a monthly sustaining donor to our publication. All of the money we get goes right back into our coverage of Texas and its artists. One more time, that's glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks for listening, and here's today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's uh, Glass Tire Art Dirt. This is a podcast we do every two weeks where we cover topical art topics, as we put it. Uh, I'm Christina Reese. And I am Christopher Blay. So this week, what we would like to talk about, uh, in the last month, you have published two news items on Glass Tire, and one was about the naming of some new cultural districts in the state of Texas mm-hmm. in several cities, and the other one was about SMU's Data Arts Report, which they release every year. This is a big one. Yeah, um, this is the sixth, I believe. Mm-hmm. So what SMU and the, the Meadow School of the Arts and the Cog School of Business out of SMU, they've been doing for six years now this giant index report on vibrancy in arts areas and scenes over the, uh, all of the U.S. Yeah. And, and what was interesting in this most recent one that you you put out and, and what you um, sort of emphasize, which was right, is that the there was one in Texas, one of all of the cities and right. places in the U.S., and it's outside of Austin. It wasn't even in the city of Austin. So, of course, at Glass Tire, you know, we run this news every year, like what the what the new study is, yeah. and um, but we, we kind of... And I love it that they do this, actually. There is something useful about that. And we'll get into this. But why are we talking about this today? Yeah, why Why is this a useful metric? Or is um, it? Or is it? <laughs> yeah, and that was really the first question that came to mind when I was thinking about this art dirt. It's if a city's art vibrancy goes unnoticed, uh, does it still matter? And I think... <laughs> Yeah, I think this is important for for art organizations that are looking for, uh, because part of the metric of this study is the level of buy-in by the city, uh, the funding from the city and from the the state and federal government, uh, like the supply and demand, like how many art organizations are there and how are people interacting with those arts organizations so for for those things i think it can be useful but i also think that um just sort of looking at how vibrant a city is for art i think we have other ways of uh, determining that and i think for each city uh, for instance i think uh, i mean maybe i'm getting too deep into it right now but just diving right in for some cities, some cities in Texas are better than others when it comes to, say, artist residencies or funding for individual artists, because most of that funding is usually tied to a nonprofit that then doles it out to individual artists. And it's only post-COVID and uh, 
post-summer of racial reckoning mm-hmm. that private organizations, individual galleries, a handful of museums, some nonprofits are pivoting towards individual artists and looking at the inequalities that need to be corrected and the glaring sort of lack of funding for for the artist as individual, which is sort of like the starting point mm-hmm. for everything in the arts for everything the artists yeah right i mean how so how does this serve artists and just to clarify the data arts i mean they they went to actually great pains in their final report to say this was all this is all data that we were measuring from Mm pre-covid so keep that in mind also when it's when they say the arts they mean all the arts you know glass tire concerns itself primarily with visual art but they're talking about theater dance symphony orchestras, the ballet, et cetera. But of course, visual arts is a huge part of that and one of the most visible parts of that. Um, But Austin Round Rock was number 18 in the rankings um, of the the top 20 arts vibrant large communities. In other words, um, populations over a million people. Now, uh, it's the only Texas area or region that made the list. So Houston's not on it. No, uh, Dallas DFW is not on is it. Not yeah. Austin's uh, well, and yeah. That's the thing. It's like Austin Round Rock. Round Rock is north of Austin, and my daughter actually lives in Pflugerville, which is just south of Round Rock. But it's kind of the general. The biggest thing around there that I've seen is the IKEA. Yeah, and, <laughs> that's right. You know, and but Georgetown is also close by, and um, they've been doing a lot. The the city of Georgetown has uh, like a sculpture thing that they do. So, I mean, there's stuff going on out there, uh, but not something that you can just sort of put your hand on the pulse of what's happening in Texas and say, this is the most vibrant place. And I think that calling it a arts vibrancy index and comparing cities that way, I think it gives a yeah, I would call it something else maybe, only because yeah. it's like, wait, I think I live in a pretty vibrant city, and I think there there's a lot going on around here, but I'm not looking at the ratio of the increase in population to a city versus if that's bringing in a comparative amount of money for the arts or if that's um, making the, the area more vibrant. I think it's like a inverse relationship actually like the more people that are coming in i think the the funding stays the same or only like incrementally goes up if it goes up at all so yeah i mean it seems to me when we look at the top cities the top uh ranked cities in this in this year's index uh are new york new jersey white plains as a region uh san francisco san mateo and redwood city in california then los angeles long beach and glendale in california yeah i I mean san francisco really so this is interesting because you know san francisco as we know is so unbelievably expensive Mm -hmm. um i wouldn't personally send a young artist coming out of a bfa or an mfa program to san francisco to save my life or to save their life that's just not the place to go so the way this index to me functions and what has always struck me as being possibly useful for some people, including some readers of Last Tire, is that if they're either retirees mm-hmm. looking to move to a place that has that has a kind of ease of living, 
along with some vibrancy. Yeah. You know, there's some stuff to go do. Right. But that's about a quality of life issue, which is totally, totally fair. Mm-hmm. People need to know these things. And if, as COVID kind of continues its massive grand tour of the United States and people try to, are trying to figure out what they're doing about employment, what they're doing about money, what they're doing about their own geography, where they live, what cities they live in, if they want to leave cities and move out to other areas that have more nature or whatever, I can see how this would possibly be useful. Yeah. I still don't know how it really necessarily reflects the real, on-the-ground working lives and experiences of the people who create the work. Yeah, and I think it's, to their credit, the SMU Data Arts is also saying that, yeah, there are other ways of measuring this. And part of the reason that they uh, use the metrics that they do is because they are trying to level the the playing field. Like for the San Francisco thing, they are considering uh, just a, an across-the-board cost-of-living increase to level all the cities that they are considering. But, I mean, that's useful for doing a, a vibrancy index where you want to consider as many cities as possible. I think they do like 927 cities. Mm-hmm. and uh, But it's not very helpful. Like my other daughter lives in the Bay Area mm-hmm. and uh, the rent is just, just forget it. Like you need five roommates or you have to make $100,000. How many artists do we know are making that much? So it... I don't see that as a, you know, like a supportive structure for artists. I hope that the index will incorporate, like they promised to do, more metrics that are more like sort of connected to the real living. Like, you know, is where are the grocery stores and where, how, where can I rent space mm-hmm. for a studio and how many uh, individual artist grants are around in the city. It's not just, I mean... They're focusing heavily on uh, nonprofit organizations, right. which then have a hard and fast requirements on how those funds are used and distributed. And it's often not flexible enough to embrace as many artists and their practices as possible. So it's, it's or kinda, the kind of art that they may really exactly. want to be making. Yeah. And, you know, when you start a. A call for entry for a, a place and say, you know, nothing too political. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, then don't give me your money. Just mm-hmm. so it's vibrant in that the actual physical, like the money is there. It's but, sitting there. <laughs> yeah, but the people that can access it, uh, it's restricted to the mean, you know, like. Right. What's going to make everybody happy? What's going to make everybody happy? And so we think about these these arts communities sort of surrounding Austin. We've talked a lot about, you know, Austin, because of the cost of living just in the city itself, there's been kind of a decentralization to some degree of mm-hmm. creative people in Austin moving out to Elgin or, you know, or there's places like Wilmerly or Fredericksburg or Georgetown yeah. or whatever. And I'm not, and I do think that decentralization is something we can talk about. And we've talked about how in, in a recent art dirt, actually, uh, Brandon Zuck and I covered kind of like the different characteristics of the art scenes in Texas, the different, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the disposition of DFW versus Houston versus Austin versus San Antonio, et cetera. 
And I do think that it's probably because of the internet, because of, you know, this global online community, I think it is possible for an artist to live, frankly, possibly out in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. and still sort of have some reach or connectivity. But I, you know, I feel like there's a, there is that kind of polite, you know, if I think of Wimberley, I think of older people, I think of retirees. Yeah, and Fredericksburg was also on that list in previous years. I think it was like three years ago. Uh, Last year, uh, Round Rock Austin was 18th and has moved to 16th. Mm. And then uh, Fredericksburg was on that list for like a couple of years ago. So I think that, yeah, it's exactly what you're describing. I've been to Fredericksburg. It's, I mean, it's great sort of uh, hill country area. Uh, Nature is really beautiful out there, but... Like the downtown area is um, what you would expect in a lot of areas that are outside of major metropolitan areas where, you know, you have your local antique shops and you have your tourist places and a lot of places to eat and drink wine, wine, you know, it's very touristy, isn't it? It is. It is. And um, so that's, that's where I interrupted you, but that's where, yeah, you're saying that the interest is for maybe the retired artist or uh, people moving to an area where um, it's outside of the city and they still have access to maybe like a local theater and a local, um, a couple of art galleries or a historic museum, Mm -hmm. something like that. That's right. But do you think that I'm off base in thinking that artists right now making the most kind of vigorous or bracing or truly interesting art, you know, I would, I would think that although there are always some outliers, there are always these mavericks who are just going to go live out in the middle of marathon or whatever. Right. And that's a completely legitimate way to go about being an artist. But I, you know, I wouldn't naturally look to Fredericksburg for a critical mass of artists making Again, I use the word bracing, but the most sort of bracing art. Now, that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean I don't want to take away from anyone's quality of life. No. But when we think about, you know, one of the kind of the lists of things that we have often thought about in terms of like what makes a really vibrant visual art scene, and it takes a certain number of components. You know, you need the artists themselves, obviously. Mm -hmm. Generally, that's because there are art schools. Right. You know, that, that, that graduate them and put them out into the community. And then there are nonprofits. Like here in Houston, we're in Houston, by the way. So you know, you've got the Cam and you've got Lawndale and you've got you've got all the whole host of them. Yeah, you've got the museums, you've got collectors, and you've got the press, and all those things kind of need to come together to create art that's really being made of the moment for the moment by the artists who are living it, experiencing it, and um, responding to what's happening in the world as we speak. Yeah, uh, I'd say Houston in Texas is an incredibly vibrant community <laughs> in that regard. Yeah, and it's not mentioned. I don't think anywhere in the nine hundred and ninety-seven not... cities that. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> is or is it? I don't think so. It isn't. I mean, it it's definitely not in the top forty. And uh, the other thing is, I can't find the information on. The remaining cities, I think they just sort of like focused on the top 40, which is broken down into the top 20 are the large cities or large areas. And then the 
middle 10 is like the medium sized cities and then smaller cities round up the the last 10. Yeah, small cities like and we're talking like you know steamboat Colorado. Yeah. I mean we're talking you know a few thousand people. Um I'm not sure Marfa is on this Marfa list. Marfa is not on that list. Uh for the the medium cities uh Santa Fe, which is predictable to some degrees, uh San Rafael, California, Pittsville, uh Ithaca, New York, Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Uh and then uh in the small towns, there's still no Texas small city. There's Jackson, Wyoming, Wyoming Steamboat, Steamboat Springs, yeah, Colorado, Heber, Heber, Utah. Yeah, I'm not gonna send an artist to Heber, Utah <laughs> right now. I'm sure it's lovely. And you know the thing is that I think it's possible that artists will move to those areas if they're close enough to major cities. But they're not going to show their work where they live. They're going to move there because maybe right. the studio rent is cheap. And then they're going to show in the next major town or uh, out of the state completely. Well, and that's just a whole trend that we're wondering is going to be more prominent in the next however many years. Because yeah. the cost of living in cities has gone up so much and really outstripped Many people's ability to make a living. Yeah. Many artists' ability to make a living. Of course, a lot of these little towns that made the list, number nine, Bennington, Vermont. You know, when there's a good college in the middle of town, mm-hmm. or Ithaca, New York, you know, that yeah. kind of makes sense. I mean, university towns tend to be more liberal. They tend to have more art spaces anyway because they've got a population, a built-in captive population yeah. that need to be able to get out of their house and go see something. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like the more just tourist towns are concerned, you yeah. know, I still think that you know this index is great if you're, I don't know, already independently wealthy and you just mm. want to go live somewhere interesting and beautiful that happens to have a symphony orchestra as well. Yeah. Or you're a retiree and you're looking to get out of your two-bedroom apartment in New York or Queens and you want to go somewhere else and you want to have some outdoor space. But, but I mean, I'm looking at the map. There's uh, Florida isn't on there. Uh, Oklahoma isn't, Kansas City isn't, Kansas isn't, nothing in uh, Nebraska, uh, St. Louis. I think those cities have things going on. I'm going to do a quick search right now as we're on, on, (laughs) as we're running for Tulsa. Yeah, there's nothing in Tulsa. Okay, so this is interesting, and this brings us to kind of another part of the conversation, which is about cultural districts and the Mm -hmm. idea of the inorganic versus the inorganic. You know, the idea that the state, and by that I mean government or right. um, entities that operate at municipal um, levels, how effective are they at creating vibrancy? Because we also, you also ran news on cultural districts. Mm-hmm. The, the TCA has named some new cultural districts in the state of Texas, including one that you lived in until recently in Fort Worth. Yeah, yeah, the near Southside Arts uh, in Fort Worth. It's uh, for DFW residents. That would be the uh, Magnolia Avenue uh, street that bifurcates the far south side and the south side close to downtown in the medical district. But it's uh, when I moved into that neighborhood, what, 15 plus years ago, there was one bar on the street and it was super dark at night. (laughs) 
And it has been gentrified. I, there's no... Partly because the housing was so awesome there. Yeah. These great old bung- the housing bungalows. was really cheap. But, yeah, they started with a small um, street arts festival that was like two blocks long when it began. And now it rivals the Main Street Arts Festival that happens in Fort Worth. So, and with thousands of people and it's, I mean... It's vibrant. It's vibrant. But the point is that in these new cultural districts, like the Red River neighborhood in Austin, uh, Deep Ellum, you've lived in Deep Ellum. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I lived on uh, the edge of Deep Ellum also up until about a year ago. Yeah, and now we both live in Houston, and the Third Ward and the Fifth Ward are now part of that Mm -hmm. cultural vibrancy. And not cultural vibrancy, but new cultural districts designated by the Texas Commission on the Arts. And it seems almost late for Third Ward to me. Yeah. Like, why now? Why not years ago when Project Rose started up? Or, But I was thinking about t- the reason, the segue for me from Tulsa was that Tulsa, you know, private money has gone, has just poured into the city of Tulsa in terms mm-hmm. of like trying to basically and organically create a vibrant arts district. Yeah. I've seen it, I had a friend who lived up there until recently and I you know I saw it undergoing this kind of I mean I want to say a really dramatic transformation. It was basically turning itself into a kind of Williamsburg Brooklyn. Yeah. It was extraordinary and very strange. It was interesting, there's no doubt. I don't know how effective it is and I don't know how effective it is if it doesn't even if Tulsa can do that much in yeah. terms of, you know, in five years and still not make it onto the, the SMU index. Yeah. It's really, really strange. But it kind of, it's still, for me, it's, there are so many things we still can't really measure in terms of basically vibe. Right. Basically just a, tr- a true sense of energy in a place. Again, I, you know, the fact that, that New York and Los Angeles are on these lists and Houston isn't. I'm going to see where Chicago is on this list. Chicago barely makes the list. Oh my gosh. It's number 15. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, when, when people will talk about the United States and it's in its biggest art cities, you know, you, you think automatically New York, Los Angeles, yeah, the Chicago for a long time. A yeah. Chicago. And yeah, of course the Bay area historically has been incredibly uh, vibrant arts wise. It's yeah. just, it's just taken such a kind of crazy hit because of the tech industry. Um, but Chicago's 15, uh, again, Houston's not on the list being and New uh, Orleans is 10, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Well-deserved. It could, I would put New Orleans above Boston, but I, it's just sort of the, yeah, I would too, which is number six, Boston yeah. six. I think SMU data arts is looking at really hard numbers and they're just like, I feel that those numbers can be cold in their objectivity because I think there just aren't enough data points to really say that this city A is more vibrant than city B. I think if you just look at, you know, supply and demand, um, and to their credit, I mean, they have a few caveats in this report that say, you know, this isn't us saying that we're picking this or that, we're going by only these specific numbers, and um, it only is only helpful for you know where people are trying to move their money as far as nonprofits and those other things. But 
I think in that conversation about how uh, important this thing is, as we keep reporting on it every year, every year, I think it's it's worth mentioning that your eyes and your senses and your participation isn't fooling you. Uh, if you live in a vibrant area, you know you do, and if you don't, you you know you're craving it. And whether those uh, cities appear on this list or not, you hope that the your vibrant city does appear on that list. But I think you should take it with a grain of salt. Uh, all Texas cities should take it with a grain of salt. They should because because <laughs> because uh, when this report comes out, it is um, it's reported on nationally. Right. You know, the New York Times runs the story, and the Washington Post runs the story, the Wall Street Journal. Everyone will do something, some item on mm-hmm. this list, and then we don't see any Texas cities on the list at all except for round rock and it leaves you thinking and it's the kind of almost this old texas problem of like why are they you know why are they ranking us in terms of being artistic because of course we're right in the middle of it we're like god this is an incredibly art art heavy state you know well they give i mean there's some cred also that you know, of all the Texas cities omitted, Dallas is also omitted. Yes. Which, you know. Which, of course, Dallas loves. <laughs> of course, Dallas is it's like, we're no, giving I'm... you money. Why aren't we on the list? Yeah, yeah. Well, gosh, that's right. Yeah, so SMU's own city is not is not on this list. Um, it is So it is objective. They even say, you know, that they're very clear about where they get their numbers and, and yeah. what data they're pulling from. And a lot of it is coming from even um, the IRS. Us, frankly, if that gives you an idea of how, how what, as you said, sort of dry, right? Uh, sort of, sort of cold. Um, but they also are saying that 2020, you know, they're going to be measuring it this year too. So the report that comes out next year, they're even now predicting is going to be vastly different mm-hmm. from how it's looked before. Yeah, and we know that arts funding is getting cut in cities and states as their um, as their finances are in, you know, just complete. Disarray, down spiral. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know. While millionaires and billionaires are getting super richer, oh, though, but let's not go there. <laughs> let's not go there. Although, you know, again, this list to some degree reflects some of the new strongholds of you know the second or third or fourth houses mm-hmm. of very very wealthy people. I mean, when we're looking at Idaho and Wyoming. We're not talking about people or families who've lived there for generations. No. We're talking about new money coming into those states. Right. And new rich people who are buying second or third or fourth or 18th homes in Wyoming who think that, you know, if they're going to have a mountain home or a rural home, that they need to also be able to go, what, buy art, see an art gallery? Yeah. I don't don't know what the, but, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I don't, I, it sounds like I'm bitter. <laughs> I'm not. I'm really not. I understand the point of wanting in your second or third or fourth home that you would want to be able to go to a museum or a gallery. Uh, but again, I don't know how organically these things are happening. This is all, again, this is kind of top-down money. Yeah. Creating an art scene with top-down money is very different from what we find in places like Houston or Fort Worth or Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, where the stuff is actually... Gener- the most interesting stuff generally is generated from the ground up. Mm. Okay, so here's some... Uh, there's a little more breakdown in the ranking of Austin Round Rock. They're ranked 51st in independent artists. 
105th in arts and cultural organizations and ranked 34th in arts and culture employees. That doesn't, I mean, that doesn't sound like, uh, like if you're 100th on the list of 927, maybe that's, you know, significant. You made the the top 100, but uh, there aren't a lot of arts and cultural organizations uh, in your city if you rank 105th. I mean, that's right. In terms of how you compare to the other cities yeah. in the U.S., so this isn't. This is also not really an index that's telling people where the jobs are. Right is what you're saying. Because like, yeah, the New York, New Jersey area, by comparison, has is ranked fifth in arts and cultural employees. So there's a shit ton of people working in the arts, and uh, they're ranked thirty sixth in the amount of art and culture organizations. Hmm. So. Yeah, and then eighth in independent artists. So what it's saying is that the place with the most uh, artists, the most most art organizations, and the most arts and culture employees are ranked higher. But they may not, like, I think some Texas, most Texas cities have a lot of art and culture employees, but maybe not enough to... To rank above the New Yorks and LAs and San Francisco's, but that doesn't mean they're not vibrant. Yeah, that's right. I guess I mean one of our takeaways then. Well, there's two things. One would be it would be awesome if SMU Data Arts would create us <laughs> another index. If yeah. we're just doing wishful thinking, I feel like I need <laughs> we need to just sit down with the index people and let them break this down. Let's let's have a little. Well, just say well, why don't you pull yet another study? Why don't you get some other data together and give us an idea of what the best cities or communities are to live in if you happen to be a working artist, which would be again if they were doing it they would probably be looking at the criteria that i was talking about earlier it's like yeah. the number of working artists who already live there the universities and schools that support or have programs for visual art what is the press like does does the art get any coverage there any meaningful coverage are there collectors are there nonprofits and institutions museums and are there galleries that was the other thing i think yeah. i left that off the other thing is commercial galleries actually do play a big role in the mm-hmm. kind of in the health of an art ecosystem, I would say that for a lot of these little places, that's almost probably all they have is a couple of decent commercial art galleries, mm-hmm. uh, which is not nothing, but it's not all. It's not everything either. Yeah, for me, from an artist's perspective, it would be important for like affordability. Like, where can I live for cheap? Because that's where it starts, you know. Artists will get chased out of all the neighborhoods and will go find the scrappy place and then build culture and vibrancy around that and then get kicked out. Because oh, yeah, that's the, the cycle of the gentrification. Cool place to live. Yeah. But it would be about affordability. Um, where can I rent a studio dirt cheap? Maybe rent a studio and live in that space. How much money is available for an individual artist to tap into uh, without having to go through a nonprofit organizations and, you know, restrictions on what kinds of grants I can apply for? Um, How important would it be to you for you to live near other artists? Very important, Mm -hmm. because I think that's and that's the sort of the worrisome trend of artists moving into like places like 
outside of the central area. It's they're not connected with what's happening. They're making great stuff that they've always made, but if you make it in that deep of a vacuum, it's hard to have it just sort of like bounce off everything else and every everything else that's happening. You don't necessarily I mean, this is not like comparing what you're doing to what other people are doing, but it's just being a part of a thinking community, like uh, being able to sit down with other artists, have a beer or have a coffee, hang out. I think that's important. That's sometimes that's where the art happens. It's not only just in the vacuum of your sequestered studio. It's just, it's your life experience. And that's certainly true. And I would say that's true for emerging and mid-career artists. Mm -hmm. You would have to, I think that in order to be sort of established enough in your practice and your name and your reputation and the the access that you have to getting your work shown, uh, that you have to be very established. And at that point, if you wanted to move away, move away. But up until that point, I don't know. And, uh, you know, and I'm not an artist. I'm a, I'm a journalist. But I, you know, the older I get, the more I want to live right in the middle of right. a big city. Like, COVID notwithstanding. Yeah. I don't want to be out in the middle of nowhere, so to speak. And conversations to me um, are crucial in yeah. terms of, like, mental well-being, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. And also just get it, having a sense of what's going on in the world. Yeah. But I don't. I really don't begrudge anyone who who lives in Round Rock and is enjoying their life there. Yeah, like and I said, my daughter lives there and she's happy. Yeah, yeah, they're well, happy that, living there. And, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, and that's she's good. in the arts. She's a theater person. Is she? So. Spe- is she? How much is she using Round Rock versus Austin? Uh, it's more Austin than Round Rock, but it's. Um, it's close enough. So yeah, and it sort of buffers my argument that artists will live in those areas, but won't necessarily engage. Like they won't show and do their work there. They'll show and do their work somewhere else, but they'll live there because it's far enough outside that it's somewhat affordable and they can still get a sense of community. There's obviously stuff going on in uh, the Round Rock area. Besides the IKEA, which I think is the only thing that's there, <laughs> I know that there's. So I don't Through know. your eyes, what's there is the IKEA. Yeah, which is in itself a sort of I mean, ripe subject IKEA. for for it's art. Um, you know, we we are we are recording this in Houston, and I and I know that um, COVID has done a number on a lot of us who have been sitting at home since uh, mm. the middle of March and trying to figure things out and. And for you and me, who are both new to Houston, you know, getting to know a city during a lockdown is hard to do. Yeah. But when I've looked at, and I'm just interested in real estate generally, I'm just a curious person. And I, and I do wonder, like, how much does it cost to live one hour outside of Houston? And I've got to say, I don't know how well this, you know, bodes for the future for <laughs> artists, but it's expensive everywhere. It is. But I should also say that if you drive an hour in any direction from Houston, you're pretty much still in Houston. <laughs> it's so huge. It is. It's that, it is that big. So anyway, take a look at these uh, reports, and we're gonna we'll continue to put them out every year because, and we look for it every year. Yeah, and we're happy when they send us uh, this report, and we and we can get it up. And I am curious to see what it will look like next year. It will be a different kind of report. It will be vastly different. Um, we've 
reported on all the closures and the cancellations and the you know complete shutdown of galleries and uh, artist run spaces it will be there are some dire predictions too about you know that in a, in another by within 5 years about 30% or about a third of the museums that we know and love will be gone you know yeah. that's a that's a horrible prediction i don't know if it will bear out or not but um yeah we'll i think it could be that these more outlying communities actually do truly get more vibrant. Yeah. Or it could go in the opposite direction. It could be that artists kind of retrench in the middle of these cities where the economy is bad, but real estate prices have gone down. Yeah, that's the other thing. It's like as macabre as it sounds, uh, there are going to be a lot of real estate just sitting there. And if, people get creative maybe they can work things out and see more art spaces and more studio spaces open up in cities until you know we get kicked out again because right yeah, the, comes the back. cycle of gentrification starts <laughs> over but yeah this could be you know this could be the beginning of a new era of artists really taking hold of interesting very strange opportunities mm-hmm. and i can see houston being a big player it's done it before it's done it several times before during various cycles. It can do it again. Dallas is an interesting case because I feel like Dallas as a city is a little bit more controlling mm-hmm. of its kind of art scene in right. terms of what it even sort of allows to happen. So possibly Fort Worth is, t- to me, always kind of an up-and-coming player. Yeah. Um, Austin feels also a little bit locked down in terms of just it being so terribly expensive and it's still growing and more and more people who have money are continuing to move there. Yeah. It's hard to know how much oxygen there's going to be for young artists who are struggling to make it there. Right. San Antonio is wide open as far as I'm concerned and could really end up being fascinating. It's already interesting. It could yeah, really, it I could mean, really, really I think, uh, you know, shout out to ArtSpace or ArtPace. I'm sorry. Shout out to ArtPace. They are holding it down for uh, top residencies in Texas. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And things like that. Yeah, I mean, and they and they're continuing to the, San Antonio. Of all the travel that we haven't been able to do, I've I've really been missing San Antonio. But we'll see what we'll see what this next uh, next five years brings. And I look at this uh, this uh, culture index will continue to come out every year, and we'll keep track of it for you and report. Yeah. As we go. And yeah, what what is what does your Texas city look like in terms of vibrancy? Uh, <laughs> let us know. We want to keep talking about this. Yeah, we will. This is an ongoing conversation. It's certainly not over. Uh, but with that, uh, have a good week in this insane month. Um, it's almost over. Oh God. <laughs> 2020 is almost over. It will be, it will be over soon. Um, and if you feel like you, uh, like you want to do it, put some masks on and go out and see some Texas art. Man, I am in that boat. I'm itching to go. I still want to be safe. So I'm going to. Do whatever safety precautions, definitely mask as the basic and go see some art. Go see some art. <laughs>